Talking next about the outrage that's been felt globally for the last month following the death of Masa Amini. This is the Kurdish-Iranian woman believed to be killed for not wearing her hijab properly, being taken into custody by Iran's morality police, uh, and eyewitnesses say that she was severely beaten to death. Uh, It's caused global protests that have lasted for the last several weeks. And the question becomes, what is Canada doing about it? What have we done so far and what can we do to help? Uh, We're talking about this right now with our next guest, who's the MPP for Carleton with the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario. Goldie Gamari is joining the show. Goldie, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate getting your perspective on this. Hi, thank you for inviting me. um, I'm happy to come and talk about this. Obviously, I wish it was under better circumstances, but... um, Thank you for for reaching out. But it's a conversation that I think needs attention because it's been Mm -hmm. a month. And yet I think, Goldie, there are a lot of Canadians that don't necessarily even know the details of this story. It might even only be sort of trickling into a lot of people's awareness now. And it, it really, I think, signifies the attention that needs to be paid on a part of the world where gender equality just doesn't exist. And... You know, as a woman, when I first heard of this story, it was something that I really I felt in a very profound way. And it was sort of a roller coaster of emotions, shock and then rage and then a little bit of uh, of of pride, I suppose, for for all of the, the women that were coming together and standing together in protest. But then frustration, because where is it going to go? And I'm curious to hear your perspective, Goldie. Uh, what is it that you that you think and you feel when when it comes to this story, your initial reaction and where you stand now a month in? Yeah, um, so to put it in context, um, I was born in Iran. I uh, My parents immigrated to Canada when I was a year old because they wanted to raise their daughters in a free and democratic society. And I am so proud to be a Canadian and to be a Canadian citizen. And um, the only reason that I am a politician is because of the fact that I was raised in a free and democratic country. But there are a lot of women around the world that don't have that same opportunity. Um, and those for of Iran. And what happened with Masa Amini, her brutal murder at the hands of the terrorist and illegitimate Islamic regime in Iran, um, unfortunately, this isn't the first time that this has happened. This is something that the Islamic regime has been doing for 43 years. And after her death, after her brutal murder, um, hundreds of other innocent people have been brutally murdered as well, just because they rose up and started protesting. And um, the the protests that started a month ago, initially they were fueled by the rage that all Iranians felt um, at the murder of Masamini, but her her brutal murder was really the spark that lit the fire under the people of Iran. Because now it's not just about compulsory hijab anymore. It's about freedom. It's about democracy. It's about wanting to live in a free and democratic society. And it's not just women, it's men. Iranians are united, regardless of ethnicity, culture, religion, um, political, uh, political affiliation. They're all united because we all want a free and democratic Iran. So with the with the country coming together and being united in that way, what exactly are they up against? 
And and will this movement actually spawn some real change? So they are up against a brutal and terrorist dictatorship that for 43 years has violently quelled any protest um, and have, have been very successful in um, convincing Western politicians and politicians around the world to not get involved in what's happening in Iran. Meanwhile, the people of Iran, of Iran are begging the world to be their voice and to share their stories and to make their voices heard. The Islamic regime has shut down the internet and it's very difficult right now for, for video footage to come out. Um, the last time that they shut down the internet during the um, previous round of protests, Iranians call it bloody November because they shut down the internet for three days and within those three days they murdered 1,500 protesters. This time around, the protests have been going on for a month now, which is actually historic. Um, this is the first time in 43 years that this up, that any uprising has lasted this long, and it's continuing and it's gaining momentum. And more and more people are starting to talk about this and to take notice of what's happening in Iran. Well, and you talk about the the internet being shut down, and yet this information is still reaching other parts of the world. We're talking about it now. So, how is it that that the video footage and that uh, online messaging is actually is able to be to be funneled out if everything is shut down? And what are people really risking to, in order to get that information out to the rest of the world? I think uh, with the use of, of new technology, um, there's something called the Snowflake Project, for example, which has um, really helped to um, assist Iranians in getting through the censorship put uh, put on them by the Islamic regime in Iran. There's also a few very reliable um, uh, outlets. Um, one is called the Tasfir 1500, which is one of the main sources of spreading videos and information about what's happening in Iran. And people are risking their lives. Um, There are numerous accounts of um, protesters who have been, um, who have shared information, and then the Islamic regime has identified them and thrown them in jail. And and this is actually something that happened um, just a few days ago, um, Saturday night. There's a very infamous prison in in Iran, in the capital city of Tehran, called Ivin Prison. And a few days ago, um, the Islamic regime set fire to Ivin Prison. And reports are still unconfirmed because anything that comes out of the Islamic regime by Iranian state media is basically a tool, propaganda tool for the Islamic regime. But uh, reports are now saying that uh, um, hundreds of political prisoners have been massacred in, in this fire um, or shot by the Islamic regime. And there's actually footage that's come out that's shown that uh, there were, you know, two missiles or mortars or whatever that was shot at, at this prison. Um, there's also footage showing people um, spreading combustible, um, uh, some sort of combustible liquid on the roof of the prison to um, spread the fire. And, um, you know, Avian Prison is, is a political prison. So the, the best and brightest of, of the Iranian people are in that prison. 
And keep in mind, the average age right now for protesters being arrested is 15. So that prison is full of teenagers, and they've all been either brutally massacred or injured by the terrorist and illegitimate Islamic regime in Iran. And the, the, I guess the, the launching point for this, of course, the death of Masa Amini, I mean, she was only 22 years old. So exactly. the, the loss of, of young, vibrant life just adds to, to I think, the frustration and the, the heartbreak while watching this story unfold. Yeah, I, I want to I get Goldie to, to what it is that Canada's <laughs> doing, what's our role in it, what can we do to help. But I, I want to go back to that beginning of Masa Amini. And, and why, why her? Why, why this death? What, why do you think it was specifically this story that has spawned such global outrage in such a big way? Um, every single time that the illegitimate and terrorist Islamic regime in Iran has murdered an innocent person. The Iranian people have always risen up and protested. This time around, it's a little bit different because with the brutal murder of Masa Amini, it's not just men protesting anymore, it's women. And the images that we're seeing come out of Iran are images that we have not seen in 43 years. Women are walking around without their hijab. They're burning the hijab. They're um, chanting death to the dictator on the streets. They're risking their lives. And it's, it's not just, um, you know, um, young women. We're also seeing high school girls. We're seeing teenagers. We're seeing adolescents in their schools taking off their hijab and taking down images of the dictator and tearing it up, burning it. And um, they're all staying down with the Islamic Republic. Um, they're all chanting woman, life, freedom. And they're being supported by men. So um, I, think, I think the reason that... Um, this happening is because what happened to Masa Amini could have could have happened to any one of us. It could have happened to any Iranian woman. And, you know, even though I didn't know her personally, and um, the majority of Iranians didn't know her personally, she was our sister. She was our cousin. She was our daughter. She was our, um, you know, our, our relative, and, and she was us, and, and we are her. Goldie, I'm I'm hoping that you can sort of explain what the morality police is intended to do? Are they a branch of the government in Iran? Are these vigilantes? What what power do they have? What exactly is it that they are enforcing? Yes, yeah, so the uh, morality police is a branch of the um, Islamic regime, um, comprised of government officials, um, also vigilantes, also um, basically plainclothes men and women. And the Islamic regime gives them the authority to monitor um, Iranian women um, and to arrest them at any point in time for any reason if the morality police feels that they are not wearing their compulsory hijab properly. And they are basically dragged a lot of times screaming and kicking into unmarked vans and vehicles, and they are taken, um, uh, shipped off to uh, some sort of quote-unquote, re-education class where they're supposedly re-educated on the importance of um, wearing their compulsory hijab properly. Unfortunately, a lot of times, um, many women do not make it out, and that is unfortunately what happened to Masa Amini. And that's why in you're seeing now in, um, in protests, uh, Iranian women um, in Iran are removing their hijabs and trying to fight back. And in fact, um, 
most recently, um, an Iranian uh, rock climbing athlete. Um, her name is Elnaz Rakabi. She was competing on behalf of the Islamic regime of Iran in South Korea uh, just uh, a few days ago. And um, she removed her hijab while she was rock climbing as a sign of solidarity with the women of Iran. And now BBC Persia has reported that she has gone missing and people don't know where she is. And um, there are now accounts coming out of how she, um, her cell phone and passport were confiscated by the Islamic regime. And she is apparently currently in the Iranian embassy in Seoul, waiting to be shipped back to Iran uh, so that she could be put in jail at Ibn Prison, which is the prison that I mentioned just last, uh, just a few days ago, was set on fire in order to massacre um, political prisoners in Iran. I mean, you've mentioned that protests like this have happened before. Uh, the situation seems like it's its just, it. this must be unprecedented, and yet it's not. What has been the result of previous protests, Goldie? Has the needle for better treatment of women, has it moved at all? Not at all, unfortunately, in, in past um, in past protests. Um, I mean, this has been going on for 43 years. And, and I think um, part of the reason that there's these protests are, are sustained now is, um, you know, there's there's always been protests, there's always been uprisings, but about a decade ago, um, uh, maybe, you know, 15 years ago, um, these protests were mainly spearheaded by millennials. But now um, we're seeing Generation Z come of age. And so it's almost as if these two generations, neither of which were really born under the, uh, were born prior to the Islamic revolution of 1979, you're seeing these two generations now uniting and fighting for a free and democratic society. The advent of social media has also um, helped helped this cause because um, while in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, the Iranian, need, uh, the Iranian uh, Islamic regime was able to um, use state propaganda to um, mislead and provide fake news and fake information to the people of Iran. Technology and social media has really allowed the people of Iran to um, communicate with the rest of of the world. And so that's why um, these protests are are so sustained. And I think think the most important thing that we can do outside of Iran is to focus on what's going on, is to continue to be a voice for the people of Iran and, and to continue to pressure global leaders to stand up and speak out and take a strong stance against the terrorist and illegitimate Islamic regime in Iran. Yeah, certainly that that global attention, I think, can add some pressure, some needed pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. And paying attention to it and keeping it top of mind here in Canada can do something. But has our government stepped up to do anything, to, to declare any sort of help or aid? So um, after quite a bit of pressure from the Iranian-Canadian community, um, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau did list uh, approximately 10,000 members of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps um, as terrorists. However, um, many Iranian-Canadians, and, and you know, I just want to preface this, what I'm saying right now, this is not coming from me as a politician, this is coming from me as someone who has attended numerous rallies and who has been contacted by hundreds of 
of Iranian Canadians, and this is what they are telling me. This is what they want me to share with the world. Um, they are telling me that what has happened so far is is not enough. They would like to see the Islamic regime um, formally designated as a terrorist entity. And part of the reason is because of the fact that if the Islamic regime is designated as a terrorist entity, then that would enable Canadian organizations to um, stop doing business with um, Iranian corporate entities. Um, the reality is that um, if, if, if the IRGC was designated as a terrorist entity, that would zero in on the nexus between terrorism and business, and it would provide a means to disrupt the financial support network for terrorist activity. Everyone already knows that the Islamic regime is a huge state sponsor of terror, and the Islamic regime controls substantial swaths of the Iranian economy. And a terror designation would cause Canadian companies and banks to evaluate whether they are working with an Iranian company that supports terrorist activities. Do you have optimism that we'll do that? I mean, all, all I can do as an Iranian Canadian is to continue to speak about this issue and, and what Iranian Canadians can do is to continue to speak about this issue. I mean, the IRGC has already been listed as a terrorist entity by the United States since 2019. Um, many Iranian Canadians thought that uh, the government of Canada would do the same. Um, many are confused as to why this did not happen. But um, all we can do is continue to put put pressure, so that um, you know, so that this can hopefully be a way to prevent um, all all these all this money coming out of Iran. Yeah. Because ultimately, this this money coming out of Iran, this is money that should be going to the people of Iran, that the corrupt and illegitimate yeah. regime in Iran is. Feeling and embezzling. Yeah, Goldie. We really appreciate your perspective. That's all the time that we do have. Thank you so much.